seconds flat. Give me up. Put it down, put it This is the second flat running podcast. Hey everyone, welcome in for mile 121 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Happy 4th of July. We have entered the dog days of summer in much of the country, and that means it's time for my beloved summer of hills. When I see fellow runners out on the trail or we receive messages from listeners, one of the most common topics of conversation is the summer of hills. It has become almost synonymous with seconds flat. As I begin a new training cycle, I eagerly anticipate the next couple months of building power and endurance, charging up my favorite inclines. Some of our athletes and many of our friends are attacking their own Summer of Hills as well. And a friend of the show, John, is even crafting a cycling Summer of Hills in Northern Ohio. Our goal today is not telling you every hill session you should do this summer, but rather creating a framework of understanding so that you can apply the principles of hill training to your unique situation. With almost limitless constructions, hill workouts can fit at nearly every point in your training this summer, as long as we appropriately answer the central training question of why you are doing what you are doing when you are doing it. To begin, why are we doing hill training? As referenced in mile 114 on the training principles of elite athletes, the authors of a recent study titled The Training Characteristics of World-Class Distance Runners, an Integration of Scientific Literature and Results-Proven Practice, wrote that hill repetitions, quote, overload horizontal propulsive muscle groups while reducing ballistic load. End quote. We translated this quote as the development of runner-specific power with reduced injury risk. Additional research also shows hill training improving running economy, meaning the energy expenditure at sub-maximal efforts, and as a useful instrument for upgrading lactate dynamics. While we can all benefit from increased movement-specific power, For injury-prone athletes or runners advancing in age in particular, the power gains associated with hills might make this a far more palatable training option than fast track sessions. Now, there's no question that if you intend to race on a track or even on a pancake flat road course, you'll want to develop the appropriate pattern and sequencing of muscle fiber recruitment for those surfaces. But the good news is much of that can be developed in short, low-risk, high-reward efforts like strides, and longer bouts can be employed in the final stages leading up to a target race. Hillworks benefits, combined with aerobic training through our running volume, 
long runs, etc., can develop a significant portion of the skills required in even the shorter, faster distance races. Then race-specific work as you near race day can sharpen and tune the body for racing. Moreover, remember that uphill and flat work are not mutually exclusive within a single training session. You don't just have to pick one. During a summer of hills, a basic hill reps plus strides workout blends the best of both worlds. Another reason for doing hill training this time of year is much less technical. It's hot, and these bouts are short and effort-based. We discussed tips for training in heat and humidity in mile 87, and also wrote on the topic in the most recent issue of Pace Magazine. One protocol is moving away from pace-specific prescriptions and moving toward effort-based sessions. While I like to have guidance for how hard to run uphill, and we'll discuss that more in a bit, I don't need specific numbers to tell me to charge hard up a favorite hill. An obsession with pace and sweltering conditions yields two possible deleterious outcomes. First, we miss our target because it is so difficult given the circumstances and we leave the workout with lost confidence. Or we hit the marks, but it requires a far greater effort than the original workout prescription. In the second case, we jeopardize both recovery and future quality sessions. Both outcomes are also possible with long, continuous hard efforts in the summer. This time of year, we especially encourage chunking efforts like broken threshold runs. Hills naturally incorporate a broken workout style as we run hard uphill for up to a few minutes, as we'll cover in our example sessions, with comparatively long jog back recoveries. And as an added bonus, if you're repeating the same hill, you have a convenient spot at its base for placing hydration and fuel if needed. So what types of hill workouts should you do and how often should you do these sessions? Determine the appropriate individualized answer by asking three additional critical questions. One, where are you in your current training cycle? Two, what are you training for? Three, what are your weaknesses? Again, where are you in your current training cycle? What are you training for? What are your weaknesses? You could extend that, add more depth by considering what your strengths are, where your past experiences are, but those three form a great base for determining what sessions you should do and how often you should do them. While any or all of the workouts we'll discuss hold value, knowing your answers to those three questions will help you prioritize certain sessions. So my answer to question one about my spot within the current training cycle is I raced at grandma's marathon last month, took some time off, did a fair amount of cross training and easy running, and recently ran my first harder session since before the race. If you're in a similar position, then a single hill workout per week might be plenty. However, that answer has nuance. 
as I've been training for years, and last summer alone did about two dozen hill sessions. So I might handle more frequent sessions or perhaps more repetitions within each hill session better than someone on a similar training cycle timeline who has far less experience. And as an added point, that's true even if that person is the same age or ran the same time at his or her last race. If you are mid-cycle, and let's say you follow the traditional collegiate model of two harder sessions and a long run each week, maybe something like Tuesday and Friday harder session, Sunday long run, and easy miles filling out your week, then this is the time of year when both workouts could be hill reps if you'd like to really dive into the summer of hills. You might pick from the portfolio of workouts I'll present shortly in a way that complements shorter versus longer hills on different days of the week based on your strengths and weaknesses. But if you're three months deep in a training cycle and have a target 5K race at the end of the month, then switching now purely to a summer of hills likely isn't in your best interest. But a few hill workouts or combination fartlek hill or track hill workouts might help prime you for race day success. In that case, consider the event you are training for in constructing your hill sessions. And then after your race could be a valuable time to move back into more consistent hill work for August and September. As you weigh your responses to our guiding questions, let's move to specific example hill workouts. We've addressed some of these workouts in previous episodes, but let's expand and also add more options. For ease of presentation, I'll move from the shortest repetitions to longer examples. First are short hill sprints. Hill sprints typically last between eight and 12 seconds. Seek a challenging incline, but one on which you can still run fast. These are run at a max effort. Note that while you are running all or nearly all out, this isn't truly a max speed effort because you're going uphill, but it is a fantastic power development mechanism that translates to increased speed. If you answered question three earlier by saying to yourself, I can run all day, but I have no top end speed, then one, welcome to the club, and two, this could be a session you introduce frequently. I like eight to 10 repetitions for eight to 10 seconds each with complete recoveries in between. For me, this is best executed at a local school with its parking lot on a hillside at a perfect pitch. Run up, slowly jog around the lot back to my start point, which takes about 90 seconds, and repeat. I'll often complete this exercise within the context of an otherwise easy run lasting about an hour. So this might look like, uh, in practice, an extended warm-up of 20-ish minutes, perhaps some drills, at least leg swings, then my hill sprints, then essentially back to easing running that looks like an extended cool down. Once you are somewhat accustomed to the stimulus, 
You can use this session often, perhaps twice per week, as the stress is higher on the central nervous system than on the musculoskeletal system. So the effort is fatiguing, but can yield less recovery time than a hard track session like repeat miles or repeat Ks. Next, let's consider a slightly longer effort in the 15 second range. Done on a fairly gentle grade at roughly mile to 3K pace, we create an effort looking like what some might call a hill stride. However, this becomes its own session rather than a tack on to an easy day with an extension to 10 to 15 repetitions and a very slow jog back for recoveries. As in the previous example, not enough blood lactate accumulates to degrade the quality of effort and the slope doesn't mitigate against speed or risk Achilles tendon concerns. Also like the previous example, I would work through a full warm-up, perhaps drills, maybe even some strides or build-ups before moving into these hills. But rather than the speed development emphasized with hill sprints, we categorize this activity as more of a speed maintenance session. Many of us have experience running approximately 30 or 60 second uphill reps. These are the bread and butter of most hill training. Unlike in our first two examples, blood lactate levels might temporarily spike here as we transition through the upper domain of short hills and toward medium length hills. My favorite session of 30 second hills comes from an overlooked element of the Norwegian training model we discussed in mile 107. Although the quantity and frequency of lactate threshold training forms the cornerstone of the Norwegian model, their base phase also incorporates a vital power element each week. They run two sets of 10 times 30 seconds uphill with a jog back recovery between reps and up to five minutes of jogging between sets. The intensity increases within and across the sets so that the second set is faster than the first and by the final few reps of set two, I'm running around mile pace. That five minute jog in between the sets is important to make sure the quality of the second set stays high. This total quantity of reps might be overwhelming for a novice, but it provides a goal to work toward over time. And that volume as measured by time is an informative tool. It totals 10 minutes of hard effort. For hill reps 30 seconds and longer, I've found from experience that 8 to 15 minutes of total work is productive. And I've seen that both with myself and with many of the athletes we work with, and elite runners worldwide are using that range as well. Again, while you might need to start with less as you introduce this stimulus, a progression like 8, then 10, then 12, by one minute hill at 5K down to, let's say, 3K intensity yields big benefits for power while simultaneously generating high-end aerobic gains. American 15K record holder Todd Williams used a similar session once a week in the lead-up to his record-breaking performance at the Gate River Run in Jacksonville. He charged a 380-meter hill 10 times. That record still stands, 
27 years later. Feel free to play with the workout constructions based on the hills available to you and be creative. We use the infamous Cosmos crit here, named after our beloved sometimes co-host, because it is a perfectly uniform grade and from the base to the stop bar painted on the street is roughly 30 seconds. Having spent a lot of time in Florida, we had access to one artificially created hill from the excavation of dirt at an old celery farm that later became a public park. It lasted about a minute. But the bridges also proved an ideal training ground at times when traffic was calm. Even in the flattest and most rural parts of the country, uphill opportunities abound. Think of the area leading up to a reservoir or a highway overpass. Often these are at perfect grades for running hard while still getting the power stimulus of uphill training. I've used a park bike path that shadows a highway exit ramp for my favorite 40 second hill. Eventually working up to 15 reps, I created a great session with 10 minutes of total hard effort. If you're lucky enough to have longer hills nearby, you can capitalize on some of the best workouts for training VO2 max and lactate threshold. Again, even in less hilly areas, many of our rail to trails provide space for long hill efforts as the trains needed low percentage grades carved out of steeper hills and we runners are now the beneficiaries. Among our favorites for longer hills are three minute reps. You hear us talk about using three minute reps at 10K and half marathon intensities in fartlek sessions, and the length applies on uphills as well. Five reps of three minutes uphill on a slight to medium grade forms an excellent session. Run up at roughly 3K intensity, which as an indicator probably translates to around 10K pace on a medium grade, and jog back to your start. Given the length of this recovery, after catching your breath on the top portion of the downhill, you might want to run steadier for a while in the middle to keep the overall effort level up. We see corresponding development of left ventricle strength in the heart as a result of this session. And that's an important component in developing maximum oxygen uptake. Also, long three to four minute uphills at a 10K or half marathon effort offer a fantastic introduction or reintroduction to threshold running. Such sessions might be particularly valuable as you head toward a cross country season, trail race, or a hilly road marathon or half marathon. Another favorite is blending efforts, just as we might in a fartlek or track session. If possible, using both sides of your hill is really nice here. For example, keep the three-minute uphill effort, then crest the hill, jog down the opposite side, and attack a 30-second to one-minute hill faster than your three-minute effort. That second rep comes off of a short recovery. Now we crest the hill again, jog back to the original start point and have one complete set before repeating the entire exercise. Similarly, you could jog a portion of the way back down your first hill, then charge to the top, but I like working both sides of the hill when possible for the mental change of pace and engagement. In either instance, 
we train power, gear change, and lactate clearance. I found this really successful with four sets of three minutes up one side, 30 seconds to one minute up the other. Next, some iteration of a long run is worth keeping in the training cycle nearly year round for most runners. A hilly long run works wonders regardless of your target race distance. We've mentioned before the training of Arthur Lydiard's protege, Peter Snell. Snell is among the greatest mid-distance runners of all time, and his weekly training plan included a steady 20-plus mile run over rolling and sometimes even steep terrain in his native New Zealand. At the opposite end of the racing spectrum, a marathoner benefits from the strength and form enhanced by these long runs. Plus, of course, you get the aerobic stimulus. I haven't covered nearly all of the possible constructions of hill sessions that make for a successful summer of hills. These examples provide a guidance though. Now you can have fun and create a plan that uses these workouts or others that generate the desired stimulus. The variations are limitless, really only limited by our own creativity. Expand from here and discover what works best in your experiment of one. My examples might not be perfect for you. Tweaking them, making slight variations, fitting to what works in your setting could create the perfect Summer of Hills. And we're always here to answer your Summer of Hills questions at secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. As you work your way through the planning process, Remember your guiding questions. Where are you in your current training cycle? What are you training for? What are your weaknesses? Your answers will help in choosing the right workouts at the right times. In turn, you're answering the central training question. Why am I doing what I'm doing when I'm doing it? Before we close, we'd like to send a somber farewell to legendary coach Bill Squires. America's most accomplished marathon coach passed this week at 89 years old. Squires guided six Boston Marathon winners and a number of our greatest marathoners of the 70s and 80s, including Boston Bill Rogers, Greg Meyer, Dick Beardsley, Alberto Salazar, and Jack Fultz. Early in his career, Coach Squires led a high school cross-country team. Based on the simple training schedules he developed in those first seasons and the stories of pounding the Newton Hills in preparation for Boston years later, he certainly would have approved of your summer of hills. As a collegiate coach and with the Greater Boston Track Club, Squires earned his championship reputation, but it was coaching the marathon that separated him from so many of his peers. While not as widely recognized as Bill Bowerman, Frank Shorter, or Steve Prefontaine, Bill Squires was equally important in the American running boom. Many of us wouldn't be as inspired to chase greatness over 26.2 miles without Coach Squires' work shepherding our heroes to victory. We send our regards to Coach Squires' family and friends and hope they are left with many warm memories from his life and the lives that he touched. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy your miles this week, and we'll see you next time on Seconds Flat.